Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor, and I'm here with Dr. Dave Barker from Heritage and uh, just general good guy at large these days in his uh, semi-retirement. Dave, you and I were talking recently about some of our friends and colleagues in ministry, uh, where are they now kind of thing, and um, you shared a little bit what I already knew, but just the sad reality that some of our our peers, some of our uh, colleagues at Heritage, professors, academic deans, so on and so forth, more than one, maybe three that I can think of, are in this moment in a, in a place of denial, apostasy. They, they might even mock the, uh, the faith that they once instructed pastors in. And it was... Uh, is it gobstocking? Is that the word? Gob, gobsmacked? <laughs> uh, well, Dr. Fowler is, uses the word gobsmacked. Gobsmack, yeah. <laughs> and I just, I just lost all words when you said that. But I, I do want to visit that conversation right now. What are we to think of that? What happened? What is the warning mm-hmm. uh, to us? What do, you, what do we do with, with doubts? Uh, is there something systemically that we're doing wrong in the way that we go about training our pastors? So... We got 15 minutes. Can we pack that in somehow? Well, uh, yeah, and I think there's a lot to be said there. But um, I think the reality that our friends who we're, we're talking about, plus many, many others, um, helps us realize that faith and living in faith and maintaining belief is not a once and for all act. You know, a date in the Bible when we were whatever, we prayed to receive Jesus and we believed, mm-hmm. we, we repented and believed. And then it's sort of, you know, I'm eternally secure, it's done. But the reality is, it's a day, day well, I, I think of the, the man that brought his son uh, to Jesus. The, the disciples were unable to cast the, uh, the demon out of the disciples. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, if you only believe. And then the man said, Lord, I believe help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. And I, that verse causes me to think like, yeah, um, Lord, I believe. And I continue to believe. Help my unbelief. Um, it's a daily reality to choose and to trust the Spirit to give the empowerment to choose to believe. Um, I read a book a number of years ago by David Roper called Walk On. And he talked about uh, the fact that we need to be evangelized every day. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that is a really, really good notion. That I need to come face to face with the gospel every day. And by the grace of the, and, and power of the Spirit, say, yeah, I believe. I'm would that be there. like I'm, a confession? We're a confessional community. Would it be something that we confess to ourselves on a regular basis? That yeah. this is what I believe today. Yeah. This is what I believe. I, I and I choose to believe, and I trust the power of the Spirit to allow me to make that choice. Um, and and it, what it what it does it keeps it keeps the faith alive. When I share my faith with someone else, mm-hmm. my neighbor down the street. Um, who I am actively sharing my faith with, very interestingly. It's not uh, a faith that, you know, has got a date in the Bible from 50 years ago mm-hmm. when I was a, you know, when a kid I prayed to receive Christ. 
But it's a living, dynamic faith that's alive today. Mm-hmm. And I speak to him out of that, I think, exciting, dynamic reality of life in Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I got my Bible open to Second Peter, where Peter talks about um, confirming one's calling and election, right? Your salvation 40, 50 years ago. Uh, he, sa- he says, add to that, right? Yeah. Uh, build on that, yeah. cultivate that. And I think there is uh, just a sloppiness when we say, well, I'm, I'm saved. It's God's project from here on in. I'll just wait and see what he does. But so how would we go about adding to it? What, what do we got to do once we're saved, once we're born again? The nature of God is in us. Um, how, how do you make that certain? Well, I, I think there's a couple things that got to go on here. Number one, I think we do need to understand there's a reality called doubt. And yeah, we, there will come times of doubt. Um, I've got a quote here from Eugene Peterson I love. Experience arrives randomly. Jack, grief, and Jill Payne tumble over one another down the same hillside. Doubt and faith are in a wrestling match. First one on top and then the other in shifting supremacies. Life comes in Hopkins adjectives, dapple, fickled, and freckled. And so, yeah, there is a reality of doubt. And I would, I would say this, and I've said it publicly. If I didn't have the Psalms to voice lament and doubt, mm-hmm. I don't know where I would be in the faith. But mm-hmm. that isn't the only voice, but it is a real voice. But mm-hmm. along with those voices of lament and doubt come the voices of thanksgiving and trust and praise. And those voices allow me on a daily, regular basis to live the dynamic of authentic Christian faith that is real, like, every day. Okay, you've, you've been saved for 50 years. You're a professor. You have your doctorate in theology are you can you share are you are you serious do you tumble down that hill with faith and doubt do you do you doubt things that you wouldn't admit on a podcast but i'm asking you (laughs) is it is really is it okay Uh, well you're asking me to admit and confess on a podcast and the answer is yes there are times when I have walked out of the house in the morning and both you and I know about uh, spouses that struggle and you just, sometimes I look at the sky and I just say, God, come on, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. enough, where, where is this going? And I, 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 th- I think of Asaph mm-hmm. in Psalm 73 who dealt with it, you know, he said, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Mm -hmm. I I was ready to abandon this whole thing. I almost stepped off into the abyss of, of Mm non-belief and that's what he's doing. And he is the, he's the senior, um, Mm -hmm. worship leader in David's day. He, like he's the chief honcho, right? Mm -hmm. Him and Heman and Ethan. And then about verse 15, 16 of the Psalm, after he goes through this litany of pain and doubt, and surely I've cleansed my hands in equity or in vanity. Surely I've cleansed my hands in vanity. Mm-hmm. What's the use of it all? And then he says, until I went to the sanctuary of God, and then I perceived their end. 
And Walkie, Bruce Walkie, who is a fine Old Testament scholar, who many of us really uh, have enjoy his work, says, he asks a question, Asaph, what did you see there? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, mind, in his mind's eye, Asaph could see uh, the ark and, and the blood of atonement. He could see inside the ark where the, the manna was in the bowl where God had protected his people in the past, the rod that budded miraculously. Um, the Ten Commandments carved in stone, the cherubim on each end of the box indicating sovereignty, the faces of a lion, ox, man, and eagle, and, and that kind of thing. And so he went to a place where God could meet him. He didn't run the other way. Mm-hmm. But the point that you asked the question, is, is doubt part of the journey of faith? The answer is yes. And part of, the real, part of how we live that reality out and not, drift into unbelief one of those things is to go to places where god could meet can meet us gather with god's people worship week by week that kind of thing and there are other things that we can bring into play at this point or to bring your honest questions before the lord don't suppress them thinking that this is not something i should be doing i shouldn't have these doubts but just to bring this to god i doubt help my unbelief and yeah. be honest and maybe talk to a peer about the struggle. But uh, you're right, not, not to pretend that it doesn't exist. Now, I have a, a question about things that we do to uh, work against us, like a culture that we have where you're not allowed to express doubts, um, or even the way that we go about training our leaders, like our friends who mm-hmm. uh, were seminary professors, and I've often wondered about this, but there's something about being in, in the work of the, minute, the church, the local church, where you've got elderly and young and the messiness of a local church, where you, you think of training ministry leaders and take them outside of that into a seminary, or you have trainers who themselves are outside of that, and it's it's a profession. It's academic. It's it's uh, sanitized, if you will. And are we asking for trouble when we go too far down that direction? And um, our our professors, if you will, aren't situated in a healthy local church relationship. And I is is that what we is that what was going on with our friends? Is that something that we need to be concerned about? I think it may have been that, but I think it was it was a lot more. Um, I think, uh, as I mentioned, we need to go to a place where God can meet us. We need to gather with the people of God. We need to see the signs and symbols of the presence of God, mm-hmm. the signs and symbols of the Eucharist, the signs and symbol of baptism, the signs and symbol of the cross, all those kinds of things. They, they keep us oriented. However, I think there may be even a more foundational level, and you kind of hinted at it, that you used the word academic, and yes, we are academics and, you know, with all the degrees and that kind of stuff. But people who know me will know this. But if we ever get away from recognizing the sacred scriptures as the word, the living word of God, and we begin to approach it as a textbook, mm-hmm. we're in deep trouble. Mm-hmm. And I am well known for saying every time you crack the book, you're face to face with God. Mm-hmm. And I don't care whether I'm preparing for a class, writing a sermon, um, preparing a sermon, uh, translating Hebrew or Greek, uh, 
all the, you know, teaching my classes in Bible and hermeneutics and all that kind of stuff. Every time I crack the book, there's no such thing as an academic reading, pure academic reading of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to read with a scholar's eyes. Mm-hmm. I want to read intensely. But I am face-to-face with God. And when we lose that edge, I, I, we've had chapel speakers talk to our students about, you know, don't, you know, do your classes, but don't forget to have your devotions. Mm-hmm. And I just about come out of my seat on that one. Mm-hmm. Because how dare you suggest to students that they can read the Bible anything but devotionally, yeah. even in their academic studies. So I think that's a critical factor to retain. So yes, connection to a local assembly and where there is that community encouraging us, but also maintaining a deep devotional reverential understanding of what we're doing when we're reading Scripture. So for our friends that are in apostasy right now, how do we, people might say, well, were they ever saved? Can, like, I'm a Calvinist. Like, I don't want to change. But you, you, you look at this experience and you said, well, was that fake? Like, what was that? Are these guys um, going to stand before the Lord and be chastened because they belong to him? Or maybe that's a question that I, I shouldn't be asking, but. I think about it. Yeah, I think about it too. And I don't know that we know the answer to Mm -hmm. that question. You read Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4, and it Mm -hmm. becomes terrifying. You ask a question about Judas, Mm -hmm. because I think that's what Hebrews 6 is talking about. So, you know, where was Judas? He certainly tasted of the heavenly gift. He participated in the miracles, but he died an apostate. So, who knows? So, there's a... There's a takeaway for us here, right? Um, he who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Right. I know that God is sovereign. I'm secure in his hand, but there's still uh, an obligation that I have to take heed, to cultivate, to um, feed myself from the word of God, to tend to, the, to, tend to my heart, um, but in the busyness of ministry a lot, we can forget that. And so that's what I'm taking away from our friends who have fallen away, that that could happen to me. Now, it won't happen if I'm genuinely saved, but nevertheless, I'm going to be extra careful, take the warnings of Hebrews, and and take care of my soul. We're out of time good thing because <laughs> this this could go a lot of places but uh, if you're listening to us thank you for tuning in if you have any questions about what we're talking about let us know uh, we can include that in a future discussion by the way i probably should say this now uh, dave barker is a good friend of mine uh, he his views do not necessarily represent uh, <laughs> grandview or anyone other than himself uh, but it is very profitable to, on a show like this, to think about these things. Thank you for listening and thinking about it with us.